Hey guys, welcome back. There's a lot to get into, lots to talk about, and none of it involves Joe Jonas or Sophie Turner and their divorce, because no one actually cares about that. It's getting so much coverage, and it's fake. Like, I am convinced that no one really cares about that, and that people are just bored, and they're stuck in these, like, endless content loops, and they'll devour anything. It's like, you know, you're on TikTok, and you keep scrolling, and you're like, what's the next video? What's the next video? I do it on Instagram, because I don't use TikTok that much, and I'll keep, like, refreshing the feed for, like, no reason and going to the explore page, which is filled with stuff, like, I don't even like anyway. And it's like, you get in that mode, and I feel like it's the same with celebrity gossip. Like, people are sitting around, like, bored, just wanting, like, any kind of content. They see some breaking celebrity news, and they're like, oh, so-and-so is getting divorced. I'm going to jump into that. But they don't even, like, stop to think, like, wait, is this actually an interesting story? Do I actually care? They're just like, give it to me. And you go, like, head-fucking-first into some random-ass divorce that's not even that interesting or spicy or anything. So, no one cares. Stop reading about Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner. Like, it's nothing. As for, um... Myla and Ashton Kutcher. I kind of have thoughts on that. I mean, that's everywhere. And like, I don't know. I I don't care. But then my friend messaged me and he went, um, Danny Masterson's innocent. And I was like, really? I'm like, well, I just assumed he was guilty. And then I was kind of like, mm, the sentence is like pretty long, you know, for like a crime from so long ago. I mean, I feel like they give like, pedof- like awful pedophiles, I feel like we'll get less of a sentence than that. So I'm like, that is a very long sentence. I'm like, maybe I should look into this. And then I was like, uh, nah, I don't care enough. Like, I don't care enough to, like, do the whole legal deep dive of it and start, like, looking into everything and, like, cross-checking things and stuff. And I was like, mm, it's just not worth it. Because then if, like, I come out and have an opinion on that, by the way, I'm opinionless on it right now. Either way, like, I have no I have no thoughts, nothing. But I'm like, if I look into this and then I have the wrong opinion on it, then it's like, oh, then I'm a rape apologist. Like, what if I don't, like, do enough research and I'm like, he's innocent. And then it's like, he's really not innocent. He's like a rapist. So then I'm a rape apologist. I'm like, it's not worth it. So I don't care about them. Who cares? Whatever. They wrote a letter to support their friend and... Now people are digging up, like, 20-year-old clips of Ashton Kutcher. Get a life. It's just so embarrassing. Anyway, thank you for all your nice messages and reviews and signing up to the Patreon. Like, everyone has been very nice. I need to, like, whinge about getting trolled more often. I mean, I was just, like, crying about it. And then everyone was, like, so nice. So thank you. I've read all the messages. I love it. My in-depth Housewives of Salt Lake City review and recap is on Patreon and... I will continue covering it. I don't think I'm covering that New York Housewives anymore. I'm so glad Salt Lake City's, like, out now, and I just don't have to subject myself to the New York show anymore. Like, just each episode, it gets worse and worse. Like, the new thing that they were fighting about is um, they're pretending that they're upset that someone didn't want to fly coach. Like, no one wants to fly coach. It's abusive. Like, it's horrible. It's horrific. Like... Everyone wants to have money and to have five-star service everywhere. Like, everyone wants to eat at a nice restaurant and travel in style and comfort and not be subjected to the riffraff of the world. But, you know, they have nothing going on, so they have to pretend that it's an issue. Everything on that show is pretending it's an issue. Why did you go to bed early? Why didn't you go to this restaurant? It's like, this is this is sad. Like, this is like a rock bottom for television, period. Definitely for Bravo. Like, I'm going on the record and saying it. I... I'm saying this emphatically, that is a rock bottom for Bravo programming that show. 
Um, I had a very lazy weekend and I spent most of it watching season two of Selling the OC. Now, that show is everything. That is a peak of television. I mean, I thought season one was good. Season two was like my fucking wig flew off. Like I spat out my juice across the kitchen. Like it's so good. I love the original Selling Sunset, but the OC one, it's kind of ratchet. Like it's kind of messy. And there's so many himbo Kendall men on the cast. Like the men are so fucking stupid and they make up like half the show. It's basically the Barbie movie actually, but better. It's a show about a bunch of very high priced, beautiful hookers that run a matriarchy in Newport Beach. That's literally the concept. My friend uh, Thomas tweeted about this, actually. He said, Selling the OC is teaching me the important lesson that women don't know how to work together without trying to destroy one another, and they'll seduce their male colleagues to turn them into unwitting pawns in their twisted games. Totally agree. Very Selling the OC. So Alex Hall, she's like the Regina George of the show. She's like the boss bitch. She's like the head Barbie. There's like super girl boss. And she's like secretly in cahoots with the patriarchy because she just hates other women. And she's one of the boys. Like she's always hanging out with the boss. And whenever she has a fight with someone else and, you know, she makes some other girl storm out, she'd be like, hello, am I in the wrong or is she crazy? And the guys are like, yeah, no, she's crazy. I don't think you did anything wrong. And she's like, thank you. Um, She has those like bald twins wrapped around her finger. It's so good. And she's actually having an affair with Britney uh, Britney Snow's estranged husband, Tyler. Now, I don't think I've seen many Britney Snow movies. I'm sure she was in like a crappy slasher movie, like back in the day, like... um, like my bloody Valentine 3D or something. Wait, I'm going to look it up now. What has she been in? Oh, prom, the Prom Night remake. Oh, she's in X as well. Okay, shout out Britney Snow because I don't watch like Pitch Perfect or anything, but shout out Britney Snow because I love X. Prom Night remake was not good, but X is great. So during season one of Selling the OC, her husband, he's one of the real estate agents. They were still married at the time. And I think a lot of people predicted that maybe they were going to get a divorce because, you know, now her husband, who was in the shadows, is suddenly on a reality show. And one of the storylines last season was that the women in the office were getting too flirty and hands-on with him, especially Alex Hall. And now, you know, he's divorced from Britney or he's going through a divorce and he and Alex are very handsy. And it's just so obvious that, like, there was inappropriateness going on. I love it so Alex Hall to do that. And it's put her at like the center of the attention, like the center of the show is now all about her. So I love it. She knows what she's doing. And Tyler's pretty hot. He's tall, skinny. We love that. Lots of tattoos. He has a really big dick because he comes to the finale party. It's like a, um, a pajama themed party. And he wears these briefs and they show everything. Like his bulge is just flopping around and he knows it. He's like strutting around and, like he's he's acting like like humble brag almost like people like oh my god I have to I can't look down you know I'm trying to like keep your eye level and he's like whoa what are you talking about what do you mean he's trying to act like he doesn't know that he has like a big fucking dick like flopping in the breeze even the shade of briefs that he wore he didn't wear like jet black where it would be more camouflage and he didn't wear like super tight ones where it's kind of going to like pack it in. Like he left it a little bit loose and I think maybe it was like a khaki color or like a navy blue, something like that where you can just see it more. And then like after I watched the episode, I was like Googling, I'm like Tyler selling OC bulge, like trying to find more pictures. So I love it. And yeah, he's 
totally hooking up with Alex, and I don't know how much they're playing up for a storyline or how much is real. You know, these shows are so fake, so you can never really tell, but it's good TV. Alex has this, like, Gretchen Wiener sidekick named Polly, who's British, and she just, like, never shuts up, and she's one of the villains, and in one of the episodes, she calls one of the women a, um, the C-word. She's like, you're, you're a fucking cunt, and, like, she's just so, she's so trash. Like, she's definitely not classy English. It's like, it's like, this isn't Towie. This is the OC, okay? You're a long way from Essex, love, but she's like, yeah, that fucking cunt. Like, she's just, you know, chowing down on like a pack of cigarettes or something she's a mess but i love her and the thing that's sad about her actually is that she's very attractive like everyone on the show is you know a knockout like even if their face isn't a 10 their body's a 10 and polly's super attractive but then because some of the other women on the show are like so insane and because polly's probably not that much older than them only like a couple of years older but it like makes her look less hot by comparison. Like, if she went on, like, The Housewives or something, people would be like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful. But then because she's next to these, like, Barbie Dreamhouse figures, you're kind of like, yeah, she's attractive, but, like, your mind's not blown, you know? She also made out with Tyler, by the way, um, Britney Snow's man. They made out the Christmas party, and then one of the girls that hates her filmed it, and they were using it as, like, blackmail. I think they were kind of trying to, like, blackmail him with it behind the scenes because, you know, it's a tabloid divorce. Britney Snow is a known actress. And like we said, with fucking Joe Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner, people love a divorce and love to get up in people's fucking business. So I feel like they were, like, passing that video around, like, you know, we're going to leak this to Us Weekly if, you know, you don't play nice on the show, something like that. So I love it. And um, there's actually four women on this show that are named Alex. So it's not just Alex Hall. There's four Alexes and people call them by their last names, kind of like when um, Lisa Rinna and Lisa Vanderpump were both on Beverly Hills. So people just always called Lisa Rinna Rinna instead of Lisa Rinna. So On the first season, there were these two Alexes, Alex Rose and Alex Jarvis, and they were a duo. They were like a package deal, and they did co-listings together, and their whole storyline by memory was that they were so good because they did all the listings together, and like everyone was jealous of them, and then they became fan favorites. Well, now in season two, they hate each other. I'm not quite sure why, but... They're doing their confessionals and they're like, yeah, people thought we were like friends, but like we never liked each other. I'm like, what? Like the whole storyline was like you two were like besties and now you're acting like you were just forced together for the show. So I don't know, but they hate each other now and um, they're completely different. So it actually makes sense because once you see them hating each other, you're like, yeah, how the hell were they friends? Like they have nothing in common. Like they're probably the two most opposite women on the whole show. So, Alex Jarvis, she's really skinny. She's very elegant, actually. Like, for a reality star, I'm not saying that she's, um, you know, Grace Kelly and, like, Rear Window, but by, like, reality TV standards, she is very classy. And she always kind of speaks like she's a HR manager in a workplace instructional video. She's like, now, this is a business, and there's a time to be professional and to practice discernment oh, you don't know what discernment means? I'm not surprised. Like, that's what she's like all the time. And she kind of gets outed as like an escort, allegedly, but they don't really follow through with the storyline, which that's even more incriminating that they don't really go anywhere with it. But um, apparently, like, 
She's been engaged four times. She's been married twice. And on the show, she's engaged again. And now she's married to the guy that when they filmed the show, she hadn't married him yet. And apparently she got caught at like an eyes wide shut style party in the Hollywood Hills. And it was filled with beautiful women and fat, rich old men. And Tyler was there for some reason. And Tyler's like, yeah, when I walked in, she like gave me this look like I wasn't supposed to be here. And she like scurried out and... Then one of the other guys, because they're all at, like, a dinner. It's basically, like, the whole cast is at a dinner except for Jarvis. And they're like, oh, you mean, like, a swingers party? And I think they have to say swingers because I don't think they can actually say, like, oh, yeah, she's a hooker. I mean, you assume that the women are hookers. Like, when I watch season one, I'm like, hooker, hooker, hooker. Like, it just you can just tell. But, like, I don't think you can actually say it because it's defamatory. So they're like, oh, was she at a swingers party? But you can read between the lines and you know what they're talking about. And she's engaged to this guy on the show called Sergio. Now they're married, but people on the internet claim he's a fraudster. So, you know, allegedly I can't verify it for myself, but, you know, we've all seen Lala and Randall Emmett, okay? We kind of know how these relationships work. And he did have to pay somebody $2.7 million in damages. I think in like a fraud case, allegedly, according to something I saw online. So, you know, that all checks out. And of course, she's like the fan favorite. People like love her. They're obsessed with her. And the viewers think that um, everyone on the cast just hates her because they're jealous. And it's like, "Mm, the general rule of reality TV is that whoever comes off the best is probably the worst in real life and vice versa. Whoever comes off the worst is probably just like the realist and speaks their mind. And Jarvis, by the way, her real birth name is actually Rachel, like, um, you know, our girl Raquel. And then she changed it to Alexandra because that's her middle name. So she doesn't even need to, I mean, there's four Alexes. She really doesn't have to be calling herself Alex on the show. But she does. Then there is, um, you know, her former partner in crime, Alex Rose, who is, like, kind of my favorite now, I think. She's the total opposite. So, while Alex Jarvis is, like, very elegant and comes off very sophisticated, Alex Rose dresses in, like, Hervé Leger bandage dresses and, like, Fashion Nova and, like, Pretty Little Thing collabs. Like, I think she actually does, like, Pretty Little Thing ads on her Instagram. And she has these, like, huge, big, like, porn star tits. And she's always wearing these, like, low-cut, like, nightclub dresses when she goes to listings with her big fake boobs hanging out. And she flirts with all the clients. So, like... Her and Jarvis will go on a listing together and, you know, there's a male client and, like, she's just, like, flirting up a storm with him and then Jarvis is trying to act all professional. But, you know, I think Jarvis is trying to act professional because the camera's there because, obviously, when the cameras are down, she's at parties in the Hollywood Hills with, you know, the fat, rich old men. But then when the cameras are on, she's at a listing. Well, there's a time to be professional and to put on our girl boss pants. Alex Rose she kind of looks like, I feel like she looks like a porn parody version of Meghan McCain. So, like, do you remember who's Nayland Palin? I think I've mentioned that on here before. It's a, it's a classic. It's one of my favorite pop culture moments was the whole uh, Sarah Palin phenomenon and Bristol Palin and Bristol Palin's baby daddy and just, like, the whole circus around that I think is very iconic. So, at the time, they did a porn parody called Who's Nail and Palin with Lisa Ann, and um, 
it did it was such a like a blockbuster hit it was a huge success and it had all these sequels and spin-offs there was an interracial one called obama's nail and palin and there was one like a gay one about her son-in-law called getting levi's johnson i did watch that one at the time and um alex is like she looks like megan mccain in a vivid video porn parody like they did The View. I'm trying to think of, like, a porn title for The View. The... I can't think of one. No, I don't want to say anything too gross. Anyway, just pretend that there's a porn version of The View, and that's who um, Alex Rose would be, Megan McCain, and they've both got huge boobs, so it matches. So, Alex is, like, this hardcore, God-fearing conservative, and she runs with kind of like an elite conservative crowd in California. So she was actually dating James O'Keefe, who was the head of Project Veritas. Project Veritas is a group, they're actually a non-profit, which I had no idea about. I'm like, they're a non-profit? Like, my God. But um, they do these like undercover hidden camera videos where they expose like leftists or certain causes that, um, you know, whatever they expose, like it's good for the conservative culture war movement, you know? So- They'll do, like, Planned Parenthood, Pfizer, stuff like that. And they get a lot of criticism for not being, you know, credible journalists. It's a mixed bag, like anything. I mean, people will say they're not cre- they're not credible just to discredit everything that they do. But then, you know, you're stupid if you disbelieve every single Project Veritas video either. So it's like, you know, do your own research, as they say. Isn't it funny how they branded do your own research as something kooky it's like yeah don't think for yourself don't fact check just believe everything we tell you like they literally like memed like do your own research into meaning that you're an idiot um conspiracy theorist hick it's like i'm sorry i didn't realize that um checking multiple sources of things and doing fact check fact checking for myself was kooky and then the people that would like make fun of you for doing your own research they would act like so smug like oh my god bro like you're such an idiot like doing your own research we believe everything the news tells us like you're fucking r-worded i can't say the r-word but we're gonna get into the r-word soon i'll tell you why i can't say it because there's a whole thing about it by the way i accidentally just hit the microphone so if you heard a weird sound that was my hand slapping into the mic but these project veritas videos they're, they're like honey traps, most of them. So so they'll get somebody. You never see the person, like, the person with the hidden camera, you usually don't see them. You just see the person they're talking to. But I assume they get really attractive people. And they'll, like, seduce a Pfizer employee and then get them drunk at a bar and then make them spill all the tea. And they'll be like, yeah, we didn't do any trials, you know. <laughs> like, we just rushed it to, you know, make some cash. Like, this shit doesn't work. And then they leak that out and, you know. But you sort of don't know if it's like, hey, how high up is this person at Pfizer? Or, like, is everything they're saying true? Or are they just, like, on a date and they've had a few drinks and they're just saying outlandish things to try and, you know, impress somebody and get laid? So, you don't know. Do your own research, people. So, Alex Rose, she was dating James O'Keefe, and then he got audited because Project Veritas was like, you seem to be spending, like, a lot of our donors' money. And they get a lot of money like i think they make i read it somewhere i think they got like 21 million dollars last year from donors and he was spending he wasn't spending heaps of it but you know it's a non-profit so every penny has to be accounted for and he was getting like 
he got a private car and a private helicopter and he was buying um, Alex Rose really expensive bottles of tequila and he kept uh, booking donor meetings in California so he could see Alex Rose. So I love it. It's a political scandal. I hope it plays out in season three. And Alex Rose is amazing and she has this falling out with Jarvis during the season and She's like, I never play dirty in business because karma's a bitch and God is always watching. Like, she's just a good conservative gal. Like, you look at her Instagram of who she's following and it's like Cernovich and like Russell Brand and like Donald Trump and stuff. (laughs) Actually, this show, Selling the OC, has so many conservative undertones, which makes sense because like the OC is a very conservative area, like- You know, I was only there for a couple of days, but when I went there, it's like you go in from LA, which is really like gritty and and grimy, and then you like drive into OC and it's like so pristine and clean and everyone's like really polite and they all have like white houses with American flags out the front and it's just such a like a picturesque little bubble. And all of the conservatism of the OC actually comes through into selling the OC that's why it's also weird on the Real Housewives of Orange County because the Bravo fans are so liberal that they always try to kind of like erase any conservatism from the Housewives of OC. What do you mean the new Housewives are Republic and I can't watch this? And it's like, that's Orange County. And I feel like they just let it come through in selling the OC because there's another guy called Geo and he's just this like, he's like the the top real estate agent there and he has this mother that has crazy plastic surgery like this old rich oc housewife she looks like jackie stallone or something like it's crazy and you can just tell that he's conservative like just he just gives off that aura of like rich like rich conservative like like a wall street kind of vibe and then i checked his instagram and i think he was following trump so i'm like i knew it so um there's a fourth Alex on the show. So we have Alex Hall, Alex Jarvis, Alex Rose, and then there's this new girl they threw in called Ali Harper, but the Ali is just short for Alexandra. Not only is she not a real estate agent, she doesn't even live in Orange County, which is so funny. She lives in fucking Nashville, and she just walks in one day in, like, you know, it's, like, episode three, and they're having an open house, and she just, like, comes in. It's, like, a stage scene, and she starts talking to the cast, and they're like, oh, wow, like, you seem like you have a great personality. You should come and meet our boss at, like, you know, the the Oppenheimer group, whatever it's called, and, like, they're always looking for promising new talent, And she's like, wow, sure, okay, I've been thinking about getting my real estate license. It's like, as if this wouldn't be with all the fame and everything from the TV show and the fucking $20 million properties that they're selling, as if this wouldn't be like the hardest real estate agency brokerage to get into in the game. Like, this must be like top tier. And I'm sure that they have, um, you know, I'm sure they have all their on-camera talent for real estate and they must have, you know, a segment of uh, real estate agents that just don't appear on the show and are, like, very actually about their job and, you know, doing, like, being real actual real estate agents and not reality stars. But, like, 
There's no way that some random girl just walks in. You're like, oh, yeah, you should meet our boss. So then she shows up at the office, you know, the next day for the job interview and they hire her. She hasn't even started studying for her real estate license yet. And she's a former Miss Tennessee and she posts cooking videos on Instagram. And I went through her Instagram and like, she's clearly a very good cook. And she does, like, southern cooking, you know, because she's from Nashville. I don't know if that's the South. Uh, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, country cooking, right? Someone would be like, that's not the South. I'm like, oh, girl, I don't know. It's the South. It's not the South. Like, I don't live in fucking America yet. So, she does, like, you know, good home cooking. And she's tall and attractive. She actually has, like, really bad posture, though. And, like, it's kind of unattractive. But, you know, tall, skinny. But she just doesn't have that selling OC or selling sunset look. Like, she's beautiful but like the selling franchise it's just such a specific look that you have to have like you can't just be attractive you have to look like a sexy ai you have to look like a sexy ai chatbot that's like ready to do the khan's yachting circuit and this alley she looks like a southern charm reject like she looks like one of the new girls that would come in her first season on southern charm Clearly, like, very beautiful. And then after a couple of years on Southern Charm, she would end up looking like Madison LaCroix. Like, that's kind of what she looks like. And the selling franchise is just, like, so elevated, you know, with the looks and the visuals and stuff. Like, the selling franchise literally looks better than the Barbie movie. And the Barbie movie cost $150 million to make, and selling Sunset episodes look better. So I did some digging, and Ali used to star on Adam DeVillo's CMT reality show called Music City. So Adam DeVillo, he made Selling Sunset and he made The Hills, but in between them, he had a failed show on CMT, and it was kind of just like a Nashville version of The Hills, like the country version of The Hills. It flopped. I think it was just wrong timing. I feel like if he came out with it now, it probably would have been a hit, but, you know, oh well, whatever. So he obviously liked Ali because she was on the two seasons. She was one of the main characters. So he's just like plucked her from fucking Tennessee and just dropped her into selling the OC. And her storyline is like, yeah, you know, my husband or my fiance, whatever he is, my boyfriend, he has to work in the OC. So I'm, you know, usually here like every Monday as if she's flying to fucking Orange County once a week, like, please, but whatever, that's her cover story. So she's like, you know, when I'm in OC for, you know, every Monday, it'll just give me something to do like real estate. And I'm like, is she fucking Adam DeVillo? Like, this is such a reach. Like, what? what's the angle here? Like, what's the motivation? And there's a lot of hot realtors in Orange County that, you know, he could have hired. I mean, maybe he wanted someone with reality TV experience that can be, like, comfortable on camera, but I still feel like as if you couldn't find some hot reality reject. I mean, aren't all the reality stars now getting their real estate licenses and, you know, like Kendra and all these people. So, I don't know. He must just have the fucking horn for her. And, like, she is attractive, but... And she's, like, kind of outspoken. Well, she says that she's outspoken. Like, I don't know. She does have that conservative vibe, which works for the show, because one of her first scenes, she's like, you know, we love cocktails and we love Jesus. So, I do like that, but I'm just like, 
she has nothing to do with the real estate industry. It doesn't even live in the same fucking town. I can't decide if I love it or hate it because it's like, it's so stupid. But then it's like the selling show leans so much into the fakeness and the superficiality on purpose. And like, that's the appeal of the show. Like, that's kind of like the hook of the show that you're like, yeah, let me just like dive into this like fake fantasy world. So I don't know, but they, they've already filmed um, season three of the OC. So it's going to be pretty funny, like, watching her pretend to sell $5 million homes without a real estate license. There's some other women on the show, but they're not that interesting. Um, there's actually, there's two black girls, and they're, like, the nice girls. So, there's one called Lauren. Actually, she might be, I can't tell if she's black or Latina, or she might be both. I'm not sure. She's really pretty. She's really natural looking, and she's boring. She, you, I forgot she was there, like... They mention her in, like, the second last episode because she gets involved with, like, having a video of somebody. And they address her and they're like, Lauren has the video. And I'm like, Lauren? I'm like, who's that? I'm like, oh, wow, okay. And there's this other girl, Brandy. She's actually pretty good. She's, like, a foe for, um, a foe for Alex Hall. And, yeah, she's, like, sympathetic because her mum died and she's trying to deal with it. And actually, she gets into a fight with Alex Hall And it's, like, not even that bad. And Alex Hall's, like, acting like she was going to bash her. And I'll I'll be honest, it's giving um, white woman tears. (laughs) Like, it totally played like that. When I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, in this scene, they're having an argument. And I think that, like, Brandy's kind of, like, talking with her hands. And then... Alex Hall's kind of, like, acting like she was going to get punched, and then she's, like, crying about it. And then you think it's over, but she's bringing it up, like, an episode or two later. Like, she's, like, shaken by it, and I'm like, mm, this doesn't look good. Like, it looks like the, the, Car- the Karen Park video. What's the famous one where the Karen's in the park and the guy who's, like, bird watching? You know that one? It's giving that. But I love Alex Hall. It's so funny. Um, and there's this other one, Kayla. And she's, like, half Filipino, but I always think she's Mexican. She looks like one of those El Chapo girls to me. Like, have you seen those hot Mexican drug cartel, like, the cartel queens? And they run the Mexican drug cartels, but they're, like, hot, sexy women, and they have, like, gold-plated guns, and they, like, kill people and sell drugs and stuff. Like, she reminds me of that. Or she's a little bit like, um... She's kind of like Mucha Buena from The Sugar Babes, but, like, way hotter as well. So, it's, like, Mucha Buena meets, like, a Bratz doll, meets, like, a cartel queen. And she's this tattooed single mom. She has, like, a tattoo sleeve. And I'm sure she was, like, a stripper or something before the real estate thing. Like, when I watched her the first season, I was thinking, hmm, I think you were... I'm wondering how you survived in Orange County before you ended up at the the Oppenheim, Um, but good for her. Like, she's hot. Work it, baby. Like, work your way up the ladder and make your dreams come true. And she stirs the pot. She was actually, like, the main part of drama in season one, and then she got into it again season two. So I think she's great. And I saw on her... um, her Instagram, because I don't think... I don't think everyone on this show has money. Like, even though they look like they do, unless you're, like, Jarvis and you're, you know going to these Hollywood Hills parties. I think the other girls are just sort of, like, trying to, like, keep it together. Oh, well, not Alex Rose, because she's out on the um, Project Veritas is paying her bills. But, like, some of the other girls are kind of trying to keep it together. And um, I was looking at her Instagram, and she's doing, like, 
public speaking gigs and stuff off the back of selling the OC show. You know, she's trying to make it happen. I think she's left the strip clubs behind and is trying to make an honest woman of herself. So you've got to watch this show. It's really good. If you're still not on the selling bandwagon, just give in. This show is art. It's like, it's just not like the other reality shows. It's like an elevated reality show. And no one has been able to emulate it because Adam DeVillo, I really think he's like an auteur. Like, I just don't think people can copy what he does. Like, no one was able to copy The Hills. In the same way that no one's been able to do what Vanderpump Rules has done, like, so many people have tried, nobody was able to do what The Hills did. It just was never the same. And then with Selling Sunset, they've tried to copy that. Like, they had the Dubai Bling show and some of those ones where they're just like, let's just get, you know, rich people and follow them around and shoot it like, you know, an Adam DeVillo show and they just are never the same. Like, they just look stupid and fake in, like, not in an appealing way. So, he's amazing. Um, He just has, you know, the, the magic mystery ingredient that makes this shit work. A show that definitely isn't elevated is the new Abby Lee Miller reality show called Madhouse. So, Abby Lee from Dance Moms, she's back. She seems to be, like, back to work because she's also popped up in this new E! show that's coming out called House of Villains that just takes all these different reality TV villains and puts them in a house and they have to play challenges against each other to be the ultimate villain or something. And I know that Abby Lee has a little cameo in that. And now she's back with her own show called Madhouse. I watched the trailer It is so cheap. So it's just like Dance Moms, except the kids are teenagers now instead of, um, instead of like little girls, they're teenagers. And it's all filmed in like a warehouse where they dance. And then there's a house where everyone stays and they fight with each other. That's about it. And I was watching the trailer and I'm like, what is this? I'm like, this looks like a Zeus show. Because if you listen to my episode of the pod that I did, I don't know, a month or two ago about the Zeus network with all of the black reality shows where they fight each other, you know, Jocelyn's Cabaret, Baddies, all of them, the whole formula of most of those shows is that they just lock a bunch of people in a mansion because it's really cheap to film and they stage drama and then they just watch people fight each other in the house. So you just film it all pretty much in one location. And that's what the Abby Lee show Madhouse was given. And then I looked it up and yes, it is on a new streaming app called Brandon TV, which hasn't even launched yet. It's coming out now. You've got to pay $50 for an annual subscription. That's $50 US. Um, and that's a discounted price. It's usually $71. So they're giving a uh, early bird sign up fee, they're saying. And um, They're launching the network with Madhouse. I don't think there's any other shows. So basically, you're going to end up paying 50 bucks to watch this low-budget Abby Lee show on Brandon TV. And I saw her actually do – and she's been doing a few different interviews recently – And they mentioned it and she was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's just something I did for this streamer, but I'm actually bringing Dance Mums back. So I think she's actually working on a proper Dance Mums reboot that isn't this. And I think that, you know, it takes a long time to get a show off the ground and to get it cast and to get it greenlit and to get a network picking it up and filming it and all of that. So she's probably waiting, trying to get this Dance Mums reboot off the ground and then Brandon TV probably approached her. We do know that uh, Abby Lee has financial issues and they're probably like, look, girl, we're all filming it in this like one house. We'll just wheel you in and just 
say your lines and then we'll wheel you out in your wheelchair and, you know, the kids will fight and they'll do the rest of the work and then you'll get, like, 20% of all the sign-ups for the app. And she's probably like, great, let's do it. So that's what I think this is. I'm not going to watch it. I mean, I'll watch the proper Dance Moms reboot when it comes out. I'm not watching this and the kids look really annoying. And, you know, after watching the Zeus Network, this looks very lacking and I don't know what Brandon TV is. I don't know if they're going to sell my data to China or something like that. So, no, I don't want identity theft. I don't want anything to do with Brandon TV. But I love Abby Lee. And she's also in hot water because <laughs> she went on the Sophia with an F podcast. That's the girl that used to have the Caller Daddy podcast with Alex. And then they split. Alex went and signed with Spotify. Sophia went off and did her own thing as an independent girl. And then Alex Cooper did the $70 million Spotify deal, which is wild because um, I do not like Call Her Daddy that much. Although I do get the appeal, but like I tried to watch uh, Zayn Malik, the Zayn Malik episode and some others, and I'm just like, no. No, it's no, it's not for me. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a good normie podcast. It's a good normie celebrity interview podcast. Like, if you just like normie celeb interviews of like, oh my god, what did um, you know, I'm trying to think of some. Who would she have on? I'm drawing a blank now. I want to look up. Let's look up who call who's on Call Her Daddy. Call Her Daddy. Let's see. Spotify, which I cancelled my subscription to recently. Okay, birthday sex. That's not a guess. Oh, Kristen Cavallari. Who else does she get on? Janelle Monet. Yeah, if you want to fucking Janelle Monet, um, Post Malone, ha- Harry Jowsey. Really, girl, seventy million dollars to interview Harry fucking Jowsey. No, uh, Kim Petras, girl. No, this podcast is not giving. Um, we'll support. Uh, Sophia with an F. I did watch the Sophia with an F Aubrey O'Day interview, which is insane because Aubrey O'Day is just this, she's such a narcissist and she's so delusional and she's like mean. She's like mean to Sophia during the whole interview, which is really funny. Like she says she can't get on Raya, but Sophia has. And she's like, no offense, girl, but I'm like way bigger than you. And Sophia's just being polite. And she's like, no, of course you are. You are way more famous than me. And everyone in the comments is like, I'm sorry, who the fuck is Aubrey O'Day? Because it's like, yeah, Aubrey O'Day is my generation, like millennial generation. Like, do you think young people know who the fuck Aubrey O'Day is? By the way, newsflash, no one outside of America except me knows who Aubrey O'Day is because Danity Kane didn't do anything outside of America. Like, their music wasn't big in, like, Australia or anything like that. There were an American group only. Making the band was only big in America. No one knows Aubrey O'Day outside of America. Like, Sophia with the with Sophia Franklin is, like, way more famous now than Aubrey O'Day. Like, just in the podcasting space, like, she is a big deal. She's not a $70 million Alex Cooper girl, but, like, she's still pretty successful. But anyway... What were we even talking about? Yeah, Abby Lee is on Sophia's show, and I started watching the interview, and it was, like, pretty bad, so I turned it off because Abby Lee is just a lot. And um, then I see this clip going viral from later in the interview, and Abby Lee's talking about how she wants to fuck high school boys. (laughs) She's like, 
Have you seen All the Right Moves? Which, of course, Sophia Franklin hasn't seen All the Right Moves. Like, Sophia Franklin probably hasn't watched a movie that was made before, like, 2008. And Sophia's like, no, like, what is that? And Abby's like, oh, these high school boys in the movie. I love the high school boys. They're my weakness. And then Sophia's trying to, like, divert it a bit. And she's like, oh, well, I like I like the coaches. And then Abby's like, oh, I still like the high school boys. Like, and when they're in high school still, and Sophia's like, um, like, you're literally telling me that you want to fuck guys in high school. And I'm <laughs> like, it's pretty fucking funny. I mean, everyone's like, she's a pedophile. Like, lock her back up. I mean... Look, I don't think fucking obese Abby Lee Miller in her little fucking wheelie walker wheelchair is going to be raping any, like, quarterbacks, okay? So I'm sure the star quarterback is safe from Abby Lee Miller, but pretty funny. And, girl, could you not have said college? At least if you said college student, you could go like, hey, college students are like, you know, 20. Like, (laughs) you have to say she wants to fuck a high schooler. She's a hot mess. You know, actually, now I'm thinking about it. I wonder if that'll cost her the Dance Mums reboot. I mean, everyone's calling her like a full... Everyone's like, lock her up. She's a pedophile. Wait, let me see how big this story is. Let me let me hit Google. Abby Lee Miller High School. Let's see what the streets are saying. Um... Abby Lee under fire for saying she's still attracted to high school football players. Girl, why did you have to say still? My God, if she didn't say still, she could have just been like, yeah, it was, you know, I was talking about when I was in high school. It's like, no, you're talking about now. When How old is she? Is she like 60? I feel like she's actually younger than, she's one of those people that's younger than they say. Oh, she's 57. Um... Abby Lee Miller says she likes high school jocks backtracks. Abby Lee Miller says she's still attracted to high school football players. Dance mom star Abby Lee Miller slammed for saying she's attracted to high school football players. Girl, Abby Lee Miller says she's still into high school football players. Quote, that's my downfall. She did say that. She she really dug the hole. (laughs) She really dug it deep. She wasn't like... It was in the past. She's like, I'm still attracted to them. It's my downfall. As if she's like waiting across the road in a fucking like her robo wheelchair thing that she drives around, like <laughs> trying to like offer candy to high school football quarterbacks. So you want to c- come take a ride with Auntie Abby? Just a mess. My downfall. Well, it could be your downfall. It could be the downfall of the Dance Mums reboot. In other news, the R word is back. Thank God. It's getting used again by comedians and mainstream podcasters. This is about maybe like a decade or so after it's been like outlawed. It's definitely coming back. I posted about it on Instagram the other week because some big brother star got in trouble for using it and everyone was replying to my story like, wait, what's the R word? What's the R word? Like, really? It rhymes with regarded. Like, you know what the R word is. And then everyone was like, shocked. Everyone was going, oh my God, I use that all the time. I still use that word. I love that word. Like everyone loves that word, period. And you're probably wondering why I'm not actually saying it right now. The thing is that in my line of work, I have to be careful because especially after seeing, you know, going through those subreddits, the snark subreddits and seeing the lengths that people will go to, to tear you down. I'm like, "Mm, I just don't need to give people 
ammo in my line of work to like put together a compilation if because who knows like something could be happening for me a year from now I could have some opportunity or like a project I'm working on and then you don't know if then you know there's going to be a subreddit about you one day so I am being careful and the thing is about the r word everyone that uses it knows that it's no longer an ableist slur. No one uses it in that context. Like, if you actually used it in that context against someone that, you know, had some kind of disability, like, you're obviously a fucking asshole. But, like, no one's doing that. Like, no one uses it that way anymore. The definition has totally changed. It's totally broadened. It's just like the word queer. Like, that used to be a hardcore slur. Now it's, like, positive. I mean, meanings of words change over time. Then there's tranny which is so funny because that's considered a slur now. But, like, back in the day, and even, you know, as recent as when I was growing up and the early seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, they used that freely. It was definitely not a slur. It was, like, a positive thing. It was, like, a cunty, fierce, like, yes, bitch. You know, like, we loved it, saw it as a positive. And then it's, like, a term of endearment. And then with, you know, wokeness and everything, Someone got together, a, a, you know, a committee of liberals got together and decided, okay, this is the latest slur. It's not. I mean, they get together and they just make up which words you're not allowed to use anymore. But everyone in the gay community, in the queer community, they, well, not everyone, but I'll say a lot of people in the queer community still use tranny in like the old sense of the word. Like all the cool transgender people I know still say it. Um, but yeah, we have these fake social rules that they make up. They come together, they decide, mm, we're going to make this a naughty word now. You can't say it. Like, I'm Australian. We shorten everything. That's why I was so shocked when they started to outlaw tranny and go, no, it, you know, it's it's like the N-word for transgender people, which, um, no, it's not. But in Australia, we just shorten everything. Like, we say, like, this arvo instead of this afternoon, right? So I'm like, that's just like... Aussie bogans, like, shortening everything, but whatever. Um, People always try to tell you that if you use certain words, people are going to be killed on the street, you're increasing, like, hate crimes, all of this stuff. It's like, this is fake. Like, none of this is true. I don't know who the fuck gets together and decides these stupid rules and then makes us all go along with it. This is not a thing. Like, it's not happening. And anyone that has, like, half a brain... You can see when someone uses these terms in, like, a negative way. Like, look, I don't love hearing straight people use the F word. Now, some people use it in a way that's, like, totally funny. So some of the podcasts I listen to, they'll say it and I think it's really funny. I've heard other people, other straight people say it and I'm a bit like, mm. And then I've heard straight people use it as, like, a slur, which I'm not crazy about, obviously. Like, I don't want to hear it used in a negative, you know, a negative way. But... It's also like a word, like, I'm fine. Like, I'll live. You know what I mean? Like, I don't love it, but it's fine. Say whatever the fuck you want. Like, I'll get over it. Like, I will live if you say a naughty word. Like, I'm not going to be gunned down in the street because you said a bad word. Like, it's just not going to happen. And I actually did stop saying the R word for a while because, well, look, I've said it in my personal life, of course, like everyone does, but... I stopped using it publicly, not out of fear of, um, you know, career reprisal, <laughs> but someone a couple of years ago messaged me and they were like, look, you know, I wish you wouldn't use that word. It's, um, oh, what did they say? Like, you know, I'm a parent to, you know, a child that has something, I can't remember what. And, you know, I felt bad and I'm like, yeah, I would never want to make anyone feel like that. But then over time, I'm kind of like, you know what, I'm not using it in that context. Uh, and actually, my family has a long 
my family's very involved in like disabilities and stuff and I've been around it and raised around it and I have a lot of respect for it and stuff and I would never use a word in that context and I'm just like, fuck it. Yeah, I will still use it because I'm not, you know, we have different definitions of how it's used and I'm sorry if it upsets you, but it is what it is. Like everyone needs to get over everything. We can all say whatever we want, period. But anyway, it is making a comeback. Normal people are saying it now. So the podcast, Your Mum's House, that's a huge comedy podcast. It's one of the biggest in the world. It's hosted by Tom Segura and Christina P. Everyone calls her Christina P because no one can pronounce her last fucking name. I don't know where it's from. It's like Russian or something. But it's one of the biggest podcasts. And they were saying it in a recent episode. And they had some other comedian on the show. And he was talking about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, I thought that I was going to have to, you know, take out the R word. And I asked Netflix and I said, hey, guys, you know, do I have to cut this out? Do I have to change this? And they were like, no, go for your life. So if we have the biggest podcast saying it, if like Netflix execs who famously, I remember they fired someone there for saying the N word back in the day, but he obviously he didn't use it as a slur. He was like quoting, or they were having a discussion about what words can be said or something. And then he said it in that context. And I think he got sacked on the spot. So if we've gone from that, I mean, look, obviously the N word and the R word aren't the same thing, but if Netflix who do tend to be pretty progressive are like, yeah, you can use the R word in a comedy special. Now things are definitely changing. Um, Look, all the podcasts I listen to still say it, they never stopped, but it is funny to kind of see it seeping back into the mainstream and like normal culture. I think it's a way of normal people to feel a little transgressive. Like I think everybody in some way, shape or form wants to push back against the status quo following the last few years of, you know, like diversity coaches and vaccine mandates and all of that bullshit. So they're like gingerly putting a little pinky toe over the line by saying the R word again. Culturally, it is important to do these little things. Like, you know, it's a little thing, just saying the R word every now and then, just slip it in a conversation, you know, when you can. You don't need to overuse it because then it's going to it's gonna lose its impact and lose its meaning. But, you know, weave it in there every now and then when you can. And these little things do shift away from the PC authoritarianism 100%. Like, Like I said, they're all fake made-up rules. No one's dying. You know, nobody's being sexually assaulted because you watch The Idol. You can still listen to Michael Jackson's music. None of these things are having an effect on anything, okay? Watch whatever you want, all right? None of this madness is normal. Always remember that. Stop playing by their rules and just be smart enough not to get sacked and (laughs) destroy your whole life, which is a line that I'm constantly uh, walking on. And the Roisin Murphy trans scandal is another kind of reminder that these whore monitor tattletale ideologues are just a radical minority. So you know the story. I think I covered it here last week. She's a famous electronic dance artist from Ireland. She is big in the UK. She's been really popular in like the indie and the gay scene for many years. Like she's been around for so long. I have a vivid memory of being 10 or 11 and seeing her in Maloko, um, the singer back music video playing on TV. Like, I still remember that. It was my friend Dwayne's house. I was having a sleepover. Usually we would watch WWE and play PlayStation, but I had, you know, music videos on. I remember seeing Maloko. It stood out to me. Maybe that was a precursor for me being gay, probably. So she got a bunch of backlash because on her private Facebook page, which this wasn't even a public statement she was making. She wasn't, like, wading into, you know, 
the trans discourse. She posted on her private um, Facebook page responding to someone saying that she doesn't support puberty blockers for kids and that big farmers laughing all the way to the bank. That's like all she said, and she said it actually quite nicely. And this sent the pop justice queers into a death spiral. Like, they fucking lost it. It was really... It was really funny looking at their reaction, but it was also, like, kind of scary because it was so untethered from reality. Um, But, you know, just watching, like, 40-year-old gay men, like, melting down over some woman's private Facebook post, like, that was funny. And they got together. They tried to cancel her. They pretty much painted her out to be Matt Walsh. Like, the way they spoke about her and the way people speak about Matt Walsh was essentially the same thing, which is so crazy. Like, I hate Matt Walsh. I've covered him on here. I think he's a pig. I think he'll probably murder his family one day. Like, I just think he's totally insane. I think he's a transphobe and just, like, a horrible... I think he's a dark, dark person. Um wretched a wretched human being but like people are painting out Roisin Murphy and Matt Walsh like they're the same fucking person her record label threatened to pull all the promotions for the album BBC dropped some it was like a TV special or a radio special featuring her to promote the new album they dropped it I think some of her gigs got cancelled so big wave of backlash from you know the trans activists because they have such a loud voice and her new album just came out The scandal basically gave it, like, millions of dollars in free publicity. Like, you couldn't buy this publicity. It just debuted at number two on the UK charts behind Olivia Rodrigo, who, you know, she has, like, huge fucking sales. Like, she's the biggest pop star at the minute, so no one's going to outsell her. This is now Roisin's highest charting album of her career. She's well into her career. She's been around for decades, and it's also the most acclaimed record she's ever put out. So... The people have spoken. They've voted with their wallets. People are going to her shows. Like, I've seen a lot of support for her on social media that's drowning out a lot of the freaks. Like, you're not going to convince us that your fringe views on these fucking issues are the mainstream consensus. They're not. Like, no one thinks this. Like, you should look at these fucking tweets. They're so funny. Like, they talk as if she's, like, destroyed her career. Like, oh, you know, it's it's such a shame that with her most acclaimed album, she's destroyed her career. What do you mean destroyed her career? She has the biggest album she's ever had. Like, no one's talked about her this much in, like, 20 years. Like, her career's on fire. Like, you're living in a fantasy world where you think that she's, like, a flop now and that she's over. She's more successful. And they point out... um, transphobes are listening to her music. Well, that's actually not true. I mean, okay, that probably is true. I will say there probably are some that have just gravitated towards her just to support her because they support what she's saying. But there's also people like me that have been a longtime fan of her. Like I had um, Maloko's familiar feeling at the CD single. And then I had one of her albums. I can't remember which one, but I had one of her early albums that I owned, and then I kind of just haven't kept up with her. I haven't listened to her in years. And then when this whole scandal happened, and I saw that the music was getting really good reviews, I'm like, okay, let me check out what she's up to. And I'm like, wow, this album's, like, really good. And um, you just have these people on social media that have a big, loud voice, and they're they're portraying a sense of reality that absolutely does not exist, where she's just a radical... Matt Walsh, extremist, right-wing nutjob. Clearly she isn't, and that her career's over. Clearly it's not. The Guardian gave the album five stars, but they spend the the review, like 80% of the review, just talking about 
like the politics of it all and claiming that the album has a stain on it now and that it's it's basically this whole thesis about how you can't like separate the art from the artist now and it's such a shame that you know with this album coming out being so incredible that she would uh you know say these things and they're like oh it's so ironic because the album's about like embracing yourself and self-acceptance and here she is being a bigot it's like well I think she is embracing herself by just like saying what her views are and her opinions and actually medicalizing kids has nothing to do with embracing who you are. You're actually embracing who you are by like putting it onto them. No sane person is engaging with her album on this political level. Like no one's listening to it with this weird political burden, like the fucking critic at the guardian, you either like the music or you don't. And that's about it. Or you kind of like what she has to say, or you don't agree with it, and that's about it. Like, can you imagine coming home, being the Guardian music critic, you're toiling away on this fucking Tolstoy-length review of Roisin Murphy's album, and you're trying to, like, rectify in your head, well, I like the music, but she said something I don't agree with. Like, that's not normal. That's a fucking freak's opinion. No one thinks like that. Um... The majority of people, the majority of normal people literally think transgender adults are fine and accept them. I mean, look, I do think there is a growing transphobia now just because it's such a, like, fucking pinball football issue that's going back and forth, which is a shame for all the, like, normal trans people out there. But I still think most people think that transgender adults are fine and not a big deal. Most people think that they shouldn't be in women's sports and prisons. That's a very normal opinion. And most people think that children shouldn't be pumped full of drugs and medicalized. Like, that's it. Like, transgender people agree on this, many. So stop making us live in your fucking fantasy world. Also, on a side note, I'm just happy for Roisin to, like, get publicity for her music again because she really does do some innovative interesting stuff she's certainly not a generic artist and like it's so hard for a middle-aged woman to get anywhere in pop music like unless you're at a Beyonce level you will be irrelevant by 35 if you can even make it to 35 you know making pop music that is huge so It's nice that the controversy has just, like, highlighted her music and has introduced her to a new audience or just reminded people like me that she's still around. Oh, wow, Roisin Murphy's still doing music. Let me check it out. Oh, this is really good. Like, love it. So, shout out Roisin Murphy. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. I had a lot more on my topic list, but we went over time as usual. Um, Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash unpopularjp. I'll have another... um, patreon episode this weekend with like salt lake city and some other stuff on there and yeah thanks for all your support bye guys